Rooted Prayer podcast, where we explore the new prayer movement that's awakening, fueled by the Lord's Prayer. And I'm your host, Sarah Maynard. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Rooted Prayer. We're already at episode seven, and if you've been following us since the beginning, you know it's only been a few months. But here we are, episode seven, and we've already had, uh, just with the first six episodes, over uh, 700 plays with almost no promotion. And so clearly, Rooted Prayer is, is touching a need. There's something that's happening here that's engaging with people and drawing people into a Uh, a place where they're finding um, some encouragement and discipling and so we're really excited about that and just so blessed with the with the response and your encouragement we are crossing a bit of a threshold with this episode though because now we have to actually start paying for up our uploading service we've been able to get it free up until now so if you want to invest in this podcast or in other areas where red leaf is serving the nation Um, The website that you can do that uh, to make a donation or to sign up as one of our partners is redleafprayer.org. So that's one word, red leaf, like the leaves on the tree, um, redleafprayer.org. And you can sign up and be a part of our uh, support team, our partners that contribute on a monthly basis or on a just kind of on a one-off way. And, And, you know, while I'm talking about red leaf, If you want to start uh, praying the Lord's Prayer with others for uh, specifically for Canada. So for those of you that might be listening from other nations, uh, apologize for that. But you would be very welcome to join us as we pray for revival and harvest in Canada. You can do that. We actually offer with our uh, online house of prayer five different times a week where we hold a video conference prayer meeting that anyone from any part of the world can join into um, five different times a week. You can just sign up and be a part of that. There's only two criteria. You need to love Jesus. You need to be a, a follower of Jesus, a Christian. And secondly, you need to be attending a local church. You need to be involved and committed to a local church because we really believe in the church. And so you can join in completely free and we would love to have you pray with us. I think it would actually be super fun to have some of you who've gotten connected with us through the podcast get involved in the House of Prayer. But on to our topic today. We're going to be talking about loneliness, and we're going to be talking about how the Lord's Prayer actually uh, speaks to this need. Uh, A couple of months ago, I went with some friends to a conference in Vancouver called Multiply. It was an awesome conference. I really enjoyed it, and there was so much that I gained from that time. Uh, One of the keynote speakers was um, uh, a fellow called uh, Ed Stetzer. Now, I got into a lot of trouble because I kept kept mispronouncing his name, but I think I've got it right. Uh, I think he was a doctor, Dr. Ed Stetzer, from the Billy Graham Association. He's one of their their, uh, primary leaders. And so uh, he was teaching on uh, evangelism and having a heart for the lost and being relevant in an urban setting, in terms of church planting, uh, all of these kinds of really important issues. And one of the things that he said that really struck me, and I actually wrote it down because I was like, oh, that's important. <laughs> you know when you get that? Um, you're in a, in a, perhaps in a meeting and, in, you know, it could be anywhere, and 
just some kind of fact just floats out there and it hits you like, wow, that matters. I need to pay attention to that. Well, this was one of those moments. And what he said was that the greatest felt need in Vancouver, and I know this would also apply to any other uh, urban North American center. It's not unique to Vancouver, but he was just addressing this because we were in Vancouver. He said, the greatest felt need in Vancouver is loneliness. Loneliness. It, it probably wouldn't have been the first thing that I would have thought of. And maybe for you as well, you, it wouldn't have been the first thing that you would have thought of. Um, uh, you know, there may be other things, fear or just, you know, I, I don't know what, what people would assume. Maybe I haven't actually given it a lot of thought. <laughs> but, uh, but I want to just um, focus in on this issue of this felt need of loneliness. Because in all honesty, the Lord's Prayer speaks to this. Now, I don't want you to start thinking that I look at the Lord's Prayer as this magic cure-all. Like, perhaps you've had a friend um, who's tried to uh, rope you into their multi-level marketing product. I know I've had some friends like this, and I've actually, um, you know, kind of gone along with the ride a few times. Um, you know the, you know that that time where you know you've got somebody who's a good friend, and and they've gotten really excited about some kind of mark, multi-level marketing product, and and so whatever need you express to them somehow their product seems to address that need. Whether you're feeling anxious or whether you've got wrinkles or whether your garbage smells, somehow their product is the answer. Now, I hope those of you that sell multi-level marketing products aren't getting all upset with me, but, but honestly, there's only one thing that truly addresses all of our, our needs, and, and that's Jesus. And Now, I'm not saying that Jesus makes it so our garbage doesn't smell. I don't really think that's actually a need. That's just a fact of life. Um, but but all of the all of the big needs of our life, all of the all of the needs that are authentic and really are are there because of the fall, because of the brokenness of humanity. Jesus addresses those. Jesus is revealed and encountered in his gospel. It's the good news of Jesus Christ. It's, it's all about him. And so this is what makes the Lord's Prayer so powerful, is that it is full of the gospel. It's full of Jesus. And so it keeps being used by God to address and transform our hearts and lives. And in this kind of a, uh, application, it can absolutely break us out of the lonely exile of isolation. The Lord's Prayer can be a tremendous tool that God will use to break loneliness in our lives. Let's explore this a little bit. Really, um, we were made in the beginning for union and communion with God. I think we would all agree in that. We were also made for communion and community with each other. We were not meant to be in this isolated Jesus and me relationship. We were meant to be together. We are, we are together the family of God. We are together the people of God. We are together the church of God. The Lord made us in his image. He is three in one. And in, in 
in that respect, in a sense, he is community. He is, he, it's in his nature. Community is in his nature. It's in the Trinity. And so when we don't have this kind of communion, even in a, a small measure, there is a deep internal longing for it. It's something in the heart of every person. We can be socially isolated or highly popular with people all around us, but still not have those deep, vulnerable places of authentic communion and fellowship. And so it leaves in us this, this deep sense of loneliness and longing for relationship. This is a place that Jesus meets us. This is a place that Jesus heals us. This is a place where, where Jesus um, absolutely uh, is the answer and, and fills that need. Um, what we see in our secular society uh, is that there is an increased trend towards loneliness and isolation. And, and that's why this is the greatest felt need. This is becoming more and more of a really major issue. We're, as a society, more fragmented and isolated than ever. And people don't, um, you know, people that are living in the suburbs, you know, they drive into their garages and you never even maybe see them outside. We see families unraveling. Uh, family time is becoming scarcer. In many, in many homes, there's no actual time where people eat together. Uh, eating together used to be the place of, you know, where, where, where the family would reconnect. Uh, you know, and, uh, the, din the dinner meal and the breakfast, perhaps, would be those main times. But there's often, in many, many families, no even point of connection and eating together. I think what's what's unique in in this generation now is that there's maybe it's developed over the last generation or two is that there's this great fear of not having successful children and so that that pushes us into hyperactive schedules that are filled with all kinds of extracurricular activities for the kids and so there's this this sort of franticness of busyness in our lives to make sure that we're successful and that we can keep up with all the competition but without time to breathe and just be together and be connected and have time to open our hearts in a deeper way. I think the trend towards identity politics has also pushed us um, into isolation because it means we've become a part of a smaller and smaller tribe if you like uh, expecting that these are the only ones, the ones that look like us, the ones that sound like us, these are the only ones that we can truly connect with. And, and that's not what it's like, you know, in the kingdom at all. In the kingdom, we're, we're a people of every tribe and, and language and nation and across the generations. And so it's big and broad in the kingdom, but the, the trend in the world is to go the opposite and become more and more divided and more and more isolated. Now, this trend is, in a lot of ways, washing into the church. And so we have to be vigilant. What we, we, we can see is um, an encroaching idolatry of self. Um, and this, is, this shows itself in this desire, this great desire for self-actualization. Self-fulfillment becomes the ultimate goal. Um, and and we, we approach it in an 
totally independent way, it becomes a, a greater goal than any kind of investing in others or investing in community. We have to, in a sense, take care of number one, make sure that we fulfill our destiny, our calling, our, um, you know, our, our call to greatness. <laughs> My goodness. Um, what we often see these days in the church is that this call to destiny is always presented as sort of a, a call to great fame and fortune and influence. It's rarely presented as a call to great service or sacrifice or duty. Uh, and we become very focused on ourselves and making sure that we have been fully actualized as a person in all that we could possibly be. All of our gifts are used to the maximum. Now, I'm not saying that we should bury our talents in the ground and not use them for the kingdom of God. I'm not saying that at all. But when we start focusing on ourselves and ourselves being actualized as the goal rather than God being glorified and others being served, we've got things out of whack. I can remember when I was a teenager reading a, a story. Um, now, I'm dating myself here, but you know this was when communism was around. And this was a story of a young man who was a, a Christian. He was a, uh, he was a Russian uh, in the Red Army. He had been drafted, and his name was Vanya. And um, anybody who's read the book will remember the story. It was a very powerful testimony of his life. And the reason that he became so influential was that he would not stop praying, and he would not stop loving Jesus and testifying of him, regardless of the horrific persecution that he was subjected to within the, the communist Red Army. Um, and so because of his sacrificial love, uh, even though he never became an officer, he never became promoted into any kind, if anything, he was demoted and demoted and put into the worst assignments and, you know, told that he had to stand guard all night in the, in the winter in his summer uniform, like these kinds of things. In spite of that, there were thousands and thousands and thousands of uh, Russian soldiers who came to faith because of his life. I think we all know stories like that. So uh, that was a rabbit trail. <laughs> but uh, um, just a, a call for us to live lives where we serve others rather than looking for personal greatness. Um, the kingdom is totally different than, than what we see in our secular society. The kingdom brings us back to God's original intent, which is union, communion, unity, community. It's, it's about relationship, isn't it? It's really, it is all about relationship. And the Lord's Prayer, it could be looked at as the premier kingdom prayer. If you want a kingdom prayer, this is it. It's a tool that God can use to literally break us out of isolation and heal our loneliness. Now, I want to give you three ways that the Lord's Prayer does this. First of all, it reframes our perspective. We start as we pray it, and as we pray it regularly, we start um, becoming aware, and our mind, in a sense, gets renewed. Our perspective gets gets retooled so we begin to think more in a more biblical way in a more kingdom way 
and we become aware that we are all children of a father who is not just a good father, but he is a skilled father and he knows how to build family. He knows how to build family and that really matters. So he's not just uh, about redeeming and restoring our individual lives. He's not just about um, encountering us and blessing us, but he's actually building us together into um, a closely knit, healthy family. He knows how to do that. The, sec the second thing that it, it reframes is reminding us that we are a family of siblings. And we're in this family where there's an opportunity for unfettered love to abound. Love abounds in the family of God because our Father is full of love and it's His DNA that infiltrates all of us. It's His Spirit that pours out into all of our hearts. And then thirdly, as we're uh, thinking about it, reframing our perspective, what we discover is every time we pray it, we are reminded that we're a part of the universal church. And so we are, in a sense, never alone. There's this, uh, this mystical union where we are in union as we are praying. We're, we're praying in harmony, in, in unity with, with thousands of others, perhaps millions of others that in, that in the very same moment all over the globe are praying the same prayer. We're a part of something so much bigger. And, and it's not just uh, spanning the globe, but it's, it's gone right through history. So we're in unity. We're in communion, in a sense, as we pray this prayer. We're in a, in, in a place of communion with the prayers of the saints all through the ages. So there's this sense of being a part of something so much bigger than ourselves, even if in our individual setting where we live or, uh, you know, the, the kind of situation we've been, we find ourselves in right now, it feels very isolated. There is still a communion that we're a part of because we're a part of the body of Christ. So firstly, it reframes our perspective and that begins to heal our hearts. Secondly, it awakens love. This prayer calls us to pray for each other. Uh, if you look at the text of the prayer, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. It starts off and it continues on through the prayer. It's all about us. It's not never about me or mine. It's about us. And so the call, the prayer calls us to pray for each other. We remember each other in our places of need. Give us this day our daily bread. We can um, expand that and pray into that and be praying, provide the bread of your presence for my brother's need, for my sister's need. Deliver my brother, my sister from evil. Let your kingdom advance and your will be done for my brother or for my sister. We, we begin to pray for each other and that awakens love in us. The prayer actually sets the bar for love, to not love as the world loves, but to love in response to the second commandment, that we would love our neighbor as ourself. And, and so we begin to pray for one another and, um, and serve one another in the place of prayer. 
It also reveals to us a, a picture of a love-filled community, a community that can pray, um, forgive us our sins as we forgive, in, in the same way that we forgive generously, gladly, freely. It, it, it gives us a glimpse of this vision of this love-filled community that catches our hearts and stirs our prayer. And then thirdly, under the, the heading of It Awakens Love, um, it, what, what we find is that as we pray the Lord's Prayer, there is this, this deep ministry of healing that comes to us personally because of the Father's care. And so once that has um, brought us to a place of of greater health, what we find is that we want to be like him and we want to reach out and love and serve now because our hearts are being healed. We want, we don't want to live anymore a life where we're just protecting ourselves and taking care of ourselves, but we want to start following Jesus's example in greater and greater ways and serving each other in his love. Now, the third way that the Lord's Prayer builds unity and community um, and communion and all of that and breaks us out of isolation is that the Lord's Prayer actually serves unity. Um, there was a, a, a third century bishop named Cyprian. He was the Bishop of Carthage. Did I say that right? Carthage, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, just had a little bit of a brain freeze there. Um, and he taught that the central function of the Lord's Prayer was to bind the church together in unity. Like, that's a wow. That's one of those, oh, that's important uh, things that we mentioned at, at the beginning of this episode. That's important. Uh, this was one of uh, the prominent fathers of the early church. And this was his perspective on the Lord's Prayer, that it was the, the central place, wow, was to build, bind the church together in unity. That's amazing. I want to give you four ways that the Lord's Prayer builds unity. Um, first of all, it's the best prayer to pray together. Uh, when we pray together, it actually does something more than just when we share together or where we, um, you know, kind of have coffee together or where we go on a trip together. When we pray together, our hearts open in the presence of God. And there's a place of, um, uh, we, our, our desire for the Lord is revealed and there's a unity in that. There's, there's a connection that happens as we pray together that's unlike any other. Um, it, it, it builds the relationships. And so the, the prayer becomes this tool, this platform, this place where we can actually find each other. And what's interesting is that across the denominations, and uh, there, this is a prayer that, that every denomination can get on board with. So this is not a, a charismatic prayer or a historical church prayer or a evangelical prayer alone. It's all of ours. We all say yes to the Lord's Prayer. We all own it. We all, we all live in this place and we love it. And it's, it's a part of 
who we are and we can say, yes, this is, this is authentically home base for us in prayer. So we all agree with it. So it becomes the best prayer available to pray together because we can all pray it with our whole hearts. Secondly, it serves unity by cultivating a different um, sort of character qualities that are, are particularly geared towards unity being strengthened. Things like holiness, uh, humility. Uh, humility is a key factor in unity. Uh, it cultivates forgiveness. It cultivates um, being centered around the gospel. And really, it's the gospel that unites us. When we try to unite around anything other than the gospel, it may work for a time, but it doesn't work in the end. We can try to unite around a, a leader or a ministry or an event or even a cause, and it might work for a short term and it might have some, some short-term benefits, but only uniting around the gospel and the person of Jesus builds permanent, deep, growing unity. The gospel is also the place, the only place to go when community breaks and, and, and it does. Community is often broken and it often runs into big issues. The gospel is where we go again and again and again. And so it's the, the Lord's Prayer serves unity by cultivating this centrality of the gospel in our lives. Thirdly, it, it calls us to seek the kingdom together rather than personal agendas. You know, we all have our personal um, sort of passion or, you know, maybe one is like, oh, I want to serve the poor. And the other one is, no, it's all about worship. And the other one is like, no, no, it's all about evangelism. And another, no, we got to study the word. Like everybody's got their sort of specialty, the, the thing that they're really passionate about. And, and the Lord has um, allowed that because he, none of us are, are that way are redundant. <laughs> and so, so this is terrific. So we all have passions that he's given us and gifts that he's given us. But we, this way we we kind of lay down any personal agenda and we get called together to serve the kingdom. And the, the Lord's Prayer leads us into that. It's also um, a prayer that serves unity because it's a prayer that's answered. Now, th that might seem a little bit strange, but, but honestly, one of the biggest prayers of Jesus's heart was um, was for John 17 unity, for that place that we would be one, as he and the Father are one. And so um, because the Lord's Prayer is the prayer that's answered more, I think, than any other prayer, because it's so completely aligned with his will, um, we find that it is a, that unity begins to be um, a uh, a part of what we contend for and what we pray for and and prayer this prayer is answered and so I want to just um, stop there and I re review these three areas where God is um, giving us the Lord's Prayer to lead us out of this place where we may feel really isolated where we feel in on in exile where we may feel desperately lonely, even in the midst of a crowd, even in the midst of uh, a throng of people. Maybe we've got a big family, we've got lots of friends, but, but there is this deep sense of loneliness that we haven't been able to resolve. Uh, you know, there's no shame in that because this is just a part of our, of our broken uh, human condition. It's a part of the condition uh, 
of mankind in, in, in so many ways because we were made for, for union and relationship with God. And even though as a Christian you have that and that's fulfilled, there is still a longing for that to be fully realized in, in the fullness of what God intended. And, and he is taking us there. But we can move into that in a deeper way because the answer to loneliness is Jesus and his church that's centered on the gospel. And praying the Lord's Prayer will heal you and open up the doors for fellowship with him and for others in ways that you've never dreamt of. And so I want to encourage you, if this is something that you identify with, or perhaps uh, there's others in your life that you feel this would really apply to, maybe pray for them in this. But I want to encourage you to pray the Lord's Prayer and to allow the Lord to use it as a tool to center you in the gospel in a deeper way, to heal your heart uh, from from places of rejection and places where you've uh, maybe felt uh, abandoned. Um, Bring that place of healing into you and and awaken fresh love in your heart. Um, I'm just going to pause for a moment. We're out of time. Um, and I'm going to pray for you, but, uh, just to highlight next episode, uh, we're going to be delving into the petition of, uh, forgive us our sins as we forgive. And we're going to look explicitly at the last three words of that petition, which is as we forgive. This is actually a part of the prayer of the Lord's prayer. Uh, that I think we've all tried to squirm out of praying. We've kind of mumbled our way through that part. Uh, at different times because the idea of forgiving is something that's really challenging. And so we're going to look at this and look at the way that the Lord has actually put this really high bar out there that we would be forgiven in the same way that we forgive. Wow. So um, that will be episode number eight. But let me just pray for you because I, I feel like there's some that as we've talked about loneliness, this is really hitting you in a deep place. And Maybe it's uh, kind of a, a tender, sensitive place. And I don't want to just leave you um, feeling as though that's, that's maybe that need and that longing has been opened up in your heart. Um, I don't want to leave you without praying for you. And so, Father, I just, uh, I just lift up these ones right now that can really identify with this feeling of loneliness. And uh, first of all, we, we all long for you and we long for more of you. We long um, out of a place of yearning for fullness of unity and communion with you and fellowship with you. And, and I pray for those who may feel as though they're, they're uh, isolated or distant from you, that that, that, would be, uh, that this would be a place where they would just come in closer and that you would encounter them and draw them in and welcome them in to your embrace uh, to fellowship with you at your table, to um, encounter you in deeper and deeper ways. I know that you are the one that, that most deeply meets that longing that we have for fellowship. It's with you primarily. But I also pray for those that are isolated from other Christians, whether it's just because of a social setting or because of their they're in a, a rural place where there just aren't many fellowship, many to fellowship. Lord, we pray that you would open doors for community, 
community that's healthy, community that's redemptive, community that that calls each of us into a place of of knowing you better and serving you um, in greater and greater maturity. Lord, we just pray that you would draw these ones. I know that you open doors for community and you you do this again and again and again, even in the most miraculous ways. And so, Father, we just bring this need to you and we pray that you would build unity and community into the body of Christ in greater ways in these days. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.